dear friends. Thank you for listening to this latest episode of Love Service Wisdom that I'm sharing with my partner, East Forest Krishna, in what he decided to call the Radha Krishna Roundtable. He asked me to join him on his podcast, 10 Laws with East Forest, last week. And so I like when we do something together, it's always kind of fun to share on this platform too. If you might not be tuning into his, you get to hear it here. And the conversation is a kind of like free flow um, exploration of what we've been up to these past couple months and uh, dipping our toe into sharing some of our internal process as a couple as we navigate some of the challenges of the COVID time. So it's pretty interesting and dynamic, and I think you'll enjoy it a lot. He is getting ready to um, share another live stream ceremony on October 3rd for his Spores album. Spores is like a, a shorter version of the album Music for Mushrooms that came out in May of 2019, which is a five-hour album. Spores is like a one-hour album that you can use for journeys. And I've been actually using it a lot because I've got a copy of it. I'm like you guys don't because it's not out yet, but he gave me an advanced copy on my iTunes and I use it for my ketamine therapy. So when I'm leading ketamine solo sessions or group sessions, that's often been a guide. So it's useful in mm, a non-ordinary space and it's also just useful for any other time that you'd like. Some peaceful grounding, opening, healing vibes coming through. So that ceremony on October 3rd is the Spores ceremony in honor of that release that's going to come. I think he said he's going to release on the new moon in October. So mid-October, you can look for that. But join us um, on the YouTube, his East Forest Music YouTube on October 3rd. You can stream. I'm always here with him in the space, holding down the energy and giving him the sense of real human audience and often journeying myself. And there's uh, the East Forest Council that's a part of it too that he and I do together. Um, For those that are wanting to connect with him as a teacher and a musician and a fan and are going into the ceremony and want some guidance, that happens on Saturday. On Friday, we get together as a council on Zoom, so people from all over for about an hour and a half or so. And then on Sunday, post-ceremony in the afternoon, like usually around one mountain time, we get together again to um, integrate what the ceremony might have been. So I know he'll have more information about that on his website, eastforest.org. So check out the ceremony, check out the council if you're into that. And uh, I want to give a thank you to everyone who is a supporter of this podcast through my Patreon, Marissa Rada Wepner Patreon. Any donation there is really, really, really helpful in doing the work. And um, I'm greatly appreciative. So thanks to all you guys on the Patreon. And if you're curious about that, go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, and look up Marissa Rada Wepner. It's also a link to it on my website that you can find. And I like to create 
content that's just for my Patreon subscribers. So you get some extra bonus material. It's meditations or yoga classes or like kind of like blog posts are some of the things I've done so far. Also, thank you to everyone who's given this podcast on Apple Podcasts a five-star review. I'm up to the lucky number 42 five-star reviews, which feels really good. I would love to get to 100 by the end of the year, but I know that's a really big ask. But who knows? It could happen. I want to thank Alongzia09. She left a review on Apple Podcasts that says, full of gems, Radha shines her own bright light and shares the light of other beautiful souls basking in it. Thank you for that review. And uh, reviews help too. So if you want to go down while you're listening to this podcast on Apple and leave the five-star review and maybe write some kind words too, it's, uh, it's appreciated. I'm really grateful for it. And I'm loving doing this podcast. I apologize. It's been a few weeks since I released my last one, but I had some travel, went up to Montana to see my family and then went down to Utah for about 10 days. And so just getting back here into the flow of things again, I'll be leading a teacher training module this weekend, Sacred Relations Tantra Yoga with my dear, dear, dear friend, Rainbow Eric. And uh, wow, I don't feel, oh, dude, <laughs> I'm teaching in Sage, my old studio. So I'm subleasing back the space for the weekend, which is really cool of my ex-landlords to let me come back in there and have that in-person space. So that's going to be incredible. And I was just going to say, I haven't taught in person in so long. So I'm really looking forward to a deep dive um, experience with students, some of them are, who are in the teacher training and some that are just from the public that want to learn more about this concept of sacred relations, which Eric and I have developed over the past, gosh, eight years or so of working together, which isn't anything new, but it's kind of our formula for deep relationship with self, in a partnership or other, in community, to the earth, to the divine. So we touch on these key points all throughout the weekend. And our main theme is presence, presence and presencing what is. So whew, really big work. And um, I've shared in a couple of my intros about my 300-hour teacher training that I'm launching in November, November 11th, 2020. So in a couple months, if you're a 200-hour RYT and you want to become a 500-hour RYT, this would be a divine way to go where we will get in a small group, me and you and a few others, two years of an immersion of in into like yoga psychology, yoga philosophy, bhakti yoga, tantra, the sacred relations concept that I just mentioned, lots of practice and accountability. You'll get mentoring with me throughout those two years and um, a retreat as well, an in-person retreat when we can schedule those and lots of other things. So that's on my website also. If you go to Marissa, M-A-R-I-S-A, Radha, R-A-D-H-A.com, you can learn about that or just shoot me a message and I'd be happy to talk with you about it. You don't have to be in Boise. I've designed it where if you're global, you can join it too. I've got a student from Portugal who's going to join, which is really, really cool. So if you're in another part of the world or the U.S. and you want this 300-hour experience over the next two years, think about it. Think about it. 
and reach out and I'm, I'll talk to you on the phone about it. All right, you guys, I hope you enjoyed this conversation with my sweet, darling, beloved Krishna and I. We recorded it just a few days ago when we were driving back from Utah. So this is the first ever Radha Krishna roundtable, especially one that is taking place inside a moving vehicle going 86 miles an hour. For the record, 80. Let's just say 80, <laughs> the legal limit. And uh, we thought we'd do this in the car, which I guarantee is a very strange sight for the U-Haul driver I just passed. He's watching two people hold microphones in their hands while they're driving <laughs> on I-15. Let's just say also, don't try this at home. Or yeah. while you're driving? It's not recommended, probably. I'm not actually holding a microphone, but we'll, we'll just let you... It's a hands-free hands free situation, but we are still recording a podcast while driving because it's a nine-hour drive from southern Utah to uh, the Boise home central, and we're doing this trip fairly regularly. It's a 600-mile trip, nine hours, stop in Salt Lake, typically, and this seemed like a good way to... Do the you know honor the time because we've been wanting to have a joint conversation. Where we're like, well, why the hell not do it? And we're sitting next to each other <laughs> for nine hours, right? Yeah, I was just thinking to myself on this drive right now, about an hour ago when I was driving, how when the quarantine first hit and we were sort of deciding should we stay in Boise or go down to Boulder, and feeling like it was this huge decision, like we probably couldn't go because what if you went and we couldn't get back and they closed the state borders and things like that, and how much has shifted because now we just go. Well, there are a lot of people, tourists, I noticed down there too, and so I think a lot of people are hitting the road or have been because, one, that's all you can really do, more or less, and two, there's a recognition that winter's coming and also, you know, what if we lose more freedoms? Maybe it's sort of like carpe diem while the Titanic is sinking. Let's uh, get out there, which... YOLO. Yeah. So speaking of that, you know, I thought the ethos of this could be a little bit like to just kind of explore like what's been on your mind, my mind, what we're going through, um, because I'm sure whatever we're going through, other people are going through, and it's a way to just sort of have that conversation and, and kind of keep it current and I don't know mm-hmm. to see where it goes. So let me start it off by asking a question to you. Okay. Um, and just that, what, what are some of the things that you've been finding have been bubbling up for you lately? That's sort of like, uh, I would, you know, it's like the core of, of your work that you're doing right now. You're processing challenges, the things that you're facing uh, internally. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I feel like I vacillate. I, um, earlier on this drive, when we were listening to Edward Snowden and Joe Rogan, we paused from that for a second. I looked out the window and into the smoky landscape and declared something like, everything is super fucked. And you've been saying that, um, that's been a theme past couple months. Yeah, but it's it's not a constant theme. No, 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 no. Like, I I don't always feel that way, but at moments I feel that way deeply. And it's strange for me because I feel that at least, I don't know, the past six weeks or so, I find myself consoling you. And I found like pre-pandemic, 
it was more like you consoling <laughs> me about how Life. difficult the world is. And now I'm suddenly the guy's like, we're going to get through this. And I mean, I'm not um, sanguine about it I'm in the sense that I feel like, oh, we're just going to get back to normal. Not at all. And anyone who listens to this, the podcast knows that. It's more that we've both talked about how we see it as the fire being a great metaphor, that mm-hmm. we're burning the fields. And we both talked, well, let's get to that notion about if there's more fire to burn later. But I want to let you continue. What's been coming up for you? Yeah, well, like I said, there's those moments where I feel great despair and uh, like a huge burst of, uh, like kind of like it feels like eyes wide open hopelessness. That's where the wow. the the worst super fucked comes from. And I also feel huge waves of grief from uh, what's happening in the collective, and then in my own life. Like I, I, we talked, you know, a few days ago, just about how sad I was about not being able to gather and celebrate and be with others and you know we were driving and I was crying and that was the moment when you were like it's gonna be okay and then I also feel really grateful for this time and I feel like a warrior who's ready for the shift that's occurring and um, inspired for a new change so I just I feel lots of things at once. Yeah when you were crying and I remember we talked about we've talked about grief and like what does it mean to carry grief on your shoulder mm-hmm. what does it mean to carry to you know essentially meaning like it's always with you yeah. whether in the background or the forefront and how and then we talked about how that wonderful Ramdas quote how he says when you're grieving that's when you're the closest to god yeah and there was the daily the obituary for the land where the woman I forget her the name. The show, The Daily. The yeah. show, The Daily. Yeah. yeah. And in that, that was just yesterday we listened to that. And she had this beautiful line that said, grief is love. And that felt mm-hmm. so true to me where you, you're grieving what you love. And it's because you love that you grieve. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you wouldn't grieve in the same way. And so when I was crying, even it was just from this, like, I loved these things in these moments and the preciousness of what was so simple before and that all of that has been taken away made me really sad yeah and i remember it's like how you know how do you grieve is that a personal question or like a larger it's rhetorical and it's an actual question i'm asking myself i'm thinking this through like because i think about the times and that's happened for me and and how do you do it and you i remember you saying like in essence it's about a flow. It's about keeping something coming in, you know, letting it move. Yeah. And it's about holding it with a tenderness and a love. Uh, yeah. Because it's, how else can you? <laughs> I mean. In that moment when I was so sad and you kind of tried to cheer me up with like, well, think about all these other things that we have done instead. And I said, well, it's sort of apples and oranges. And yes, all those things are true. And I just need to feel really sad right now and let myself cry. And that and maybe hits did. it on the nose. Like, that's how you grieve is by, I need to do this right now. Like, this is it's coming, coming up. up, so it needs to come out. <laughs> and that's a really wonderful reminder. You know, how do you hold grief? Because that's really what we're doing. That's what this process is, is about holding grief on our shoulder, holding it tenderly like the, the baby that we bring with us. Is, that is the midwifing. 
Yeah. And it's, yeah, the baby's heavy sometimes. And sometimes uh, the baby's crying. And sometimes the baby's beautiful. Well, even, I mean, being a mother, and I can so viscerally have that body memory of holding a baby. When you hold a baby, you're feeling love. It's with love, always. Mm-hmm. Always. Yeah, so the smoke's been in the air in a lot of places, and it's, it's been coming and going in the mountain regions here, all over, wherever we are. And we're thinking a lot about how fires, uh, in, that, in that daily episode, obituary for the land, uh, I wish I knew the poet's name, but the woman had this great story about how there's some fir trees or some kind of tree that right before it gets completely singed, all of its uh, pine cones on the tree explode and release and release all their seeds into the ground. And we know that the fires fertilize the ground, so there's all this new growth that comes out of it, but it's so incredibly destructive and violent and, you know, it's unpredictable. And, uh, And so we were thinking about of course, this metaphor of everything's being cleared around us and burning just like it's never burned before. And I had this wild thought, and I'm going to say it, not that I'm saying I believe this, but it came to me. Like, if I trust in all that is, and I trust in everything sort of being in this grand design, which in some ways, like, how could, I mean, you know, a design so unconceivable to (laughs) any supercomputer, it's just, complexity of it like you sense on a psychedelic journey Mm -hmm. then donald trump if he were to win and i hope he doesn't but if he were to become the president for a second term i would have to say that well that's god too and if that's the case then i could only look at to think like the forest has more fire to burn in order for the new growth to be what it needs to be in our society we have to burn more and i say that knowing what that means and the suffering. I don't want any of that. And he'll be part of the catalyst that causes more to burn. We already is, right? Yeah. And But I'm saying, how could you see it any other way? And when I see the forest fire and I think about the role it plays and the chaos it brings, but it's like, oh my God, have you ever thought about Donald Trump fertilizing the land for like a new earth? (laughs) (laughs) And you were like, oh, he's... He's a light worker, like, or that's what they—that's what they mean, oh jokingly. And I'm like, in a sick way, <laughs> like he's totally un—you know, like talk about an unknowing puppet. Oh. But it's like the ultimate trickster. Like we—he grew out of the soil of our own demons and darkness and and obsession yeah. with uh, social media and reality TV, which is a weird thing in itself, the term. Yeah, I, I'm, you're reminding me as I'm listening to you right now, say this, the first ceremony that you did back in early April. and Virtual ceremony. Yeah, the yeah. first virtual yeah. ceremony that you offered online. And I was, you know, with you and on medicine too. And I had this thought exactly like you're describing of, well, everything is always ultimately for the collective good. So Donald Trump is somehow for the collective good, even through the like, like funhouse mirror craziness of it all somehow. I mean, only in the sense like that, if we hold the truth that everything is moving always towards the light, Mm -hmm. or you say that like, you can't be outside of it. Like all that is, is all that is. So it's all, all that is, right? It's all in service of this growth. But that's honestly, you know what? It's a very dangerous thing to be saying these days. 
Yes. Because yeah. I, I don't want to discount, and I'm not discounting the, the suffering that's happening and all the huge injustice, injustices that are going on and the revolution that is happening right now. That is all absolutely happening, 100%. And if anything, it, it, that's why it's so crazy right now because there's so much transformation and change occurring at once. And you throw the fires on top of it and it's like, it's literally the earth like fertilizing itself in a way and, and clearing away all this crap that... Well, unpack this with me for a little bit because I've been thinking about, you know, back in February, we went to Australia and we bought masks in early February because we were going to Australia because Australia was burning. January. Yeah. yeah. Australia was burning in February and before that in January... The Amazon was burning. Mm -hmm. And then we got back from Australia. We didn't use our masks at all. We were there. But then when the coronavirus came, we were like, oh, we already have these things. And it's this, this like respiratory infection, right? Coupled with the fires that have burned, been burning for a long time. But since the Amazon one's almost nonstop, it seems. Then with George Floyd and the I can't breathe, like this metaphor of oh, wow. oxygen breath, the earth burning, losing that sense within yourself, how it's connected to the heart and the lungs. What does that bring up for you? What came up for you, you said that, which is a beautiful way to connect the dots with George Floyd. Um, I think about prana and I think about mm -hmm. breathing, breathing being the doorway into the soul and the breath being uh, the doorway into spirit speaking to us and simplicity and then obviously in out the duality of it as a representation of existence. Mm -hmm. So then you start just thinking about all these things have had to do lately with breathing. Yes. yes. And how it's sort of either accentuating it or, or stultifying it mm -hmm. or, but it's all wrapped. I've actually never thought about this. It's all wrapped around breath. Yes. Yeah. And even like we were talking this morning, some people saying, I don't want to wear a mask because it cuts off my oxygen supply. That's what some, yeah, I saw some guys saying or something that. along those His lines. thinking, yeah, but just I, more I don't, of according that, to him, that's uh, scientifically proven, but I was like, oh, is that so? More of that same theme of I can't breathe. The earth, the animals, through the virus, through the masks, through abuses. Yeah. Like the, and even just like the struggle of black people saying like sort of metaphorically, I can't breathe. You know, it's like enough, you know, it's, and that's just and that another is, example. Well, and that's what you say on the cusp of expiration. Oh God. You just, you just let out a big breath. Well, then. another way, yeah. Another way to look at expiration, what you could say is a threshold, right? Some kind of ultimate threshold. Yeah. And, you look at the concrescence of Moore's law of processing speed. You look at like uh, the climate and greenhouse gas. It's also being exponential. Virus is expanding into our world and the coronavirus right now, which is again exponential. Uh, all these things, in the in the words of like Terence McKenna, are moving towards some kind of concrescence, a casuistry, as he would say. You know, it's, it, where does that go? There's, I mean, in, from a fractal point of view, it goes forever. But there seems to be in this 3D reality a point where it's like there's a point. And, and this is where like uh, singularitarians look at that as being it's the AI kind of thing coming online, which I don't hold that, that already, view. Yeah, you could. I would say it already has. Yeah, that's another <laughs> amazing discussion. Um, 
But nonetheless, it's like if we're pushing up against the edges of a boundary, mm-hmm. what is that boundary? What are we pushing up against? And is there another side? Or is that just like another timeline of existence of, well, we're not, a, this isn't around anymore. I, I don't want that. I'm just sort of spitballing. But, but I also, look, when you take sort of a bodhisattva vow or a vow to bring awakening to all beings, including yourself and everyone else, you're in service to the transformation. You're in service to the burning of the fields, if that's mm-hmm. the way that the field is fertilized. And that's a, that's a tricky thing to unpack because it's like, I, it's like saying like back in World War II, well, I'm in service to Hitler. It's like, fuck that. I'm not, mm-hmm. I don't want to be. Do you, what are you then saying that you are in service of? Well, I've made dedications in my life to being in service to the unfoldment of the betterment of our growth and humanity, like our soul's path. Mm-hmm. You know, are you on board with your soul's path or not? I'm not saying that like a challenge. It's just sort of an interesting question. And if I'm saying, let's say you have choice, let's just say. So if you're not, okay, well, you have all the time in the, in the world, in the universe, and that all, right all choices now, are valid. Right now, let's say I'm not on my soul's path. You're or saying not to be. Well, sometimes it's a choice. Sometimes it's not. Right. But, right. I'm just an argument, so to speak. Um, you would say it's okay because. You're going to live again and you'll have another chance. I mean, look, my heart says yes. I don't know. No, we don't know. You know I don't know. Of course I don't know. But we my heart know. says yes. But um, I, it's not about knowing in a sense with the little K on knowing. Um, if it were, there'd be no point. I had this thought the other day. We were talking about knowing the other night and this like overdrive of knowing that I feel is fueling a lot of the chaos and schizophrenia. Just looking at it like a pun, like knowing equals knowing, like no, yes, no. Like as soon as you know, you're actually cutting off opportunity for possibility and more. And you've come out of like yesness or mystery by saying that you know. Equals no. Are you following me? I'm not. And I promise people we have not smoked any weed. We've just, we're totally sober okay. and driving. K-N-O-W equals N-O. Mm-hmm. Because when you say I know something, that means everything else is a no. And uh-huh. this one thing is a yes. By and making it a yes, you've cut off something. Yes. So inherently and so there's a no. so as long as you're in the, like the unknown or in the mystery, mm-hmm. you're still in like this phase of possibility and all the things that could be yeses. But we're conditioned from early education that to be, to know is to be right and to not know is to be wrong. But what if being in the unknown is actually right? (laughs) Well, you know what this makes, I'm not flipping around here. I'm just continuing. So this makes me think about um, the new record I've been recording. So we were down in Boulder, I was doing a lot of mixing. And I've been playing with the title of the record being Possible. Oh, yeah. And we're talking about why. And you're talking about exactly what we've been sort of dancing mm. around. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting when you make a record that's largely instrumental because you're like, what is this record about? And usually when there's lyrics, it's a little easier. You're like, well, it's, I keep talking, I'm singing about this and that. And there are some yeah. lyrics on the records. But I keep 
coming back to this feeling of what does it mean to think that there's infinite possibility? I'm not saying that in this hippy-dippy, like, oh, it's infinite, crystal, fractal, beautiful realities. I'm saying, like, literally, there's always this infinite possibility in front of us. And if we're in this time where we are having the fields burned and going through the transformations and our systems and habits and routines are breaking down, what there's so much fertile possibility in that. Yes. And, 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 and that is what I see in front of myself and in front of the world. And boy, are we on the precipice of something where it's like that possibility could be really beautiful. Like there's a doorway here for real, beautiful, meaningful change. It's like, it's right there. And there's also possibilities for real chaos increasing right there. I feel like what I've witnessed since the beginning of Corona is we were in this place of unknown that was traumatizing and really difficult for people and out of their desire to know over the past few months, why is it here? How did it start? What does it mean? You know, vax or no vax, all that kind of stuff that like grasping towards knowing is what's caused the chaos and the disconnect and the confusion, like the confusion's gotten even deeper out of the desire to like grab into the knowing. And so staying in this place of possibility, like you're speaking of, feels like what would actually be the healing balm. Like, can you hold yourself in this fertile place of unknowing? And what's crazy is it's always that way. Right. We just yeah. thought we knew it was, it was easier. The mirage of knowing was easier. Like, Hey, I could make a plan in six months and it probably will happen. Like mm-hmm. that date will stick. We got and, our muscle of that got really strong. Yeah. And it, the, it, it just really painted a, a really opaque Maya all around us because it's like, that is never how it is. And now the, the veil has been pulled off. And it's like, oh man, what do I stand on now? Because the things I stood on before, I can't. So yes, possibility. And that's something that's been coming up again and again. And so that's what the, I think the record is about, mm-hmm. is, is ch- choosing that path or pointing that ship, but also recognizing that we can't... Like there's a song um, that features Lorraine Weiss. She was on one of the uh, podcasts my podcast and uh i decided to try sampling the podcast which i've never done and put that in a song and it worked out really well and lorraine's talking about how you can kind of try on new clothing and, and and drop you know expectations and perceptions about who you think you are and then the chorus i'm singing can you surprise me uh can you let it be and you were like what do you, you were kind of poking me like what, what does that mean like what does that mean to you to me yes and asking because i guess it could mean a lot of things to a lot of people and to me it was sort of what i was saying is like maybe i could surprise myself like i was a kind of a please like, can you surprise yourself and be just let things be and and fall into that newness of what is right can you fall into what is and, and let that, and to me at least, that's like kind of like surprising myself against my expectations of what maybe I, I normally would do or I have done. Or what would you normally before. do? Well, in what situation, right? I don't know. I, but it's, it, I know that there's a, there's a newness now as the structure of things have 
broken down that, you know, you don't have to do it the same way. And many times you can't. And so the gift and the frustration is that. Has that come up for you at all? Is there, are there been something that's, many things in your life have <laughs> broken down that were there yeah. before. There were like things in the yes. 3D world, like yeah. your business. And, yeah, I had a yoga studio more. that was really thriving in a big community hub and incredible that I had for 10 years that I decided to close early July because we couldn't operate. We weren't open and we couldn't. And I decided I didn't want to operate in the way that we were being forced to operate well, now. It wasn't a, there was no business model with 12 people in the room. No. And there was a big studio. So that yeah. was a huge loss and an act of letting go. Like I consciously chose, I'm going to let this, this beautiful entity, it's go now. And yeah, you were mostly forced into it, but you, you had a choice. I guess there could have been ways oh, to try sure to hang on. It was, it was tough, though. I don't know how the debt just kept mounting up and up and up. You were encouraging me to not close it for a long time. Or to wait. Uh, but just because it was such a great business and it, it's such a spiritual grounding center point for Boise, Idaho. and But you were the one who were the clarion light in that saying, look, I, despite the fact that it's sort of being closed... I am also looking for a way to open myself up to new opportunities. I mean, you were quite well, visionary in that for yourself. When so much of my creative life force has gone into holding it and being its anchor, that when I let go of that anchor, all of that energy would come back to me, and that's exciting. Because so, then, how long ago was it, and do you have you already felt those reverberations? That was in that was two months ago. And I would say yes, but I'm also cognizant to allow myself this in-between time that I'm not hyper. I don't, I don't want to do the same thing, which is like jump from doing to doing. I want to honor the process of something dying and the transition and creating space after it as a way to honor it. One. And to grieve. And to grieve and to allow things to transform. I don't expect there to be a new thing suddenly. You know, I had coincidentally just started working with ketamine therapy, offering that. But that was something that I had started in the fall. It just happened to align with the closing. Yeah, you've had things fill the gaps as gifts. Like more life coaching just came into your life and clients and the ketamine therapy. Um, and it's not the same as it was at all financially yet. But um, I've, I've noticed an energetic shift of like you opened a doorway and some things have come through. I feel personally a lot more present. I feel very grounded. I feel very clear. I feel um, a sense of surety and a strange amount of confidence, I would say, and also like just relief. I think it was harder for me when I was trying to keep the studio opening while it was sinking and failing and trying to keep everybody else happy at the same time. And then when I stopped doing that, that feels a lot better. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And well, you were incredible throughout that. Like you spoke to in the beginning of the podcast, it, our energy towards each other shifted in a way where you have been so patient and loving and a, a gr like just an incredible caregiver for offering support and peace as I go through that process. Well, I really feel, you know, I, I've been grateful that we have had a relationship 
during this time, even more so because uh, I was, clearly dating would suck right now. But <laughs> more than that, uh, it's I just can't imagine trying to do some of this alone. And I, my heart goes out to, to everyone who's, uh, you know, because walking this walk right now is so unique for each person. And it goes through different phases, right? Mm-hmm. And some people are thriving, actually. And, and, and some people are uh, having a tough time on the surface level, like with, you know, the kids are at home, not at school, and all that kind of stuff. And sometimes it's environmental things. And some people... It's much worse. Uh, now they have to be frontline working or they're getting sick or, or they know someone who's died or people have died. A lot of people have died. It's like, uh, so I don't want to undermine the diversity of the process for everyone and to say that it's all the same. But what I'm speaking to are sort of like the larger holistic energies that I'm just sensing are bubbling up you know, through, through this process this diverse process for people. Yeah. And that you're grateful to have the support of a relationship right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for Most sure. Definitely. Most definitely. Definitely. And we have had different opinions throughout it that we've had to navigate. And in many ways, it's strengthened our relationship as we, as things have gotten more intense or less intense. Yeah. Or I don't know do if you want to talk mask? about that. Yeah, for we, sure. You sure? Okay. Yeah. We, I would imagine a lot of relationships have <laughs> with two people have different opinions. Well, I'm, I'm assuming you're talking about coronavirus, not yeah, just opinions yeah. in general. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no. we have different opinions, but <laughs> we found as things started to get on that we had different, let's say, viewpoints about coronavirus, about COVID. Yeah. And that I was on, I did not expect that. Um, I was a little, I, I don't want to just put you in a box, hon. I mean, but well, some I'll of the do my dis- best to not put you in a box, too. <sighs> I, I don't, yeah. Why don't you start? Uh, let's be ginger well, about this. Um, you know, I, you, you're someone who might, I'm not going to put you in a box by saying this, but who tends to be more like, by the book, this is what's going on, and you're precautionary. And I'm more... I'm, I'm an Eagle Scout. I prepare. He is an actual Eagle Scout. I prepare. And I, I look, I foresight, and I do my research. And I also try to take a really balanced point of view. I mean, mm-hmm. I do try to take in all points of view, all the crazy, everything. But as, as I got out of my 20s and my early 30s, I had times where I fell into a lot of gullible holes as in my kind of exuberance in my early spiritual path that really taught me some beautiful lessons about... Uh, sharpening my own blade of my mental acuity and discernment mm-hmm. and saying like, let's be a little more ground. My, my father, I feel like brought this to me. I mean, he's got it in spades where he doesn't have much of the other quality, but of really being like, what's Occam's razor here? What's most likely true? Right. And I will probably ride that line as opposed to entertaining some of the more wild concepts because in my mind, I can see them as dangerous, particularly for myself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is good. You describe you and I'll describe me. Great idea. (laughs) (laughs) And I had super long hair the whole time. It was just this gorgeous mane. I don't know where it came from. It was there. Believe me. We got no pictures, though. Shit, Joe. And I 
I um, am someone who likes to investigate and explore and holds room for all kinds of possibilities and, and for, you know, decades have been more on the internal investigative I'm even. I'm afraid to say the word conspiracy theory now because when I was looking into those things, Back you know, when that was cool. 20, like 20 years 2012. ago, yeah. yeah, or pre that, um, it was different than it is now, and so that's dangerous kinda, now. Yeah, that kind of stuff started to pop up into my sphere when all of this, or as all of this has been going on. I hold space for what are they saying? How does this fit together? What does this look like? And I doubt. I doubt the collective narrative more so than you do. We both doubt it. We just doubt it in different degrees. I think everyone has been hoodwinked and swindled by the snake oil of the American dream and the corporatism and the lies and the NSA. We all have, whether you know it or not, and we all feel it to different degrees. Mm -hmm. And that is really the root of the belief in many conspiracy theories because there is a crack. There is a fissure of doubt. In our lives. Oh, 100%. So there's no way around that. Uh, but we both entertained some of these ideas. I just have been not going down. I didn't accept a lot of them. Right. And you come more from the... I looked at the like, 5G and I'm like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> well, when, I'm, I'm, I didn't even, I'm not saying what I believe or don't believe, but my core belief was I'm not going to get the coronavirus. And I feel very sure about that. And they, that may be very naive of me, but it feels so true in my being that it's strong for me where you would have more the mindset if or when I get the coronavirus. And I would say, don't say when you get it. Yeah, I hear that. And, and I was having dreams every single night that a mask of some kind was in every single dream I had. And you did never did. I never dreamed. (laughs) I never dreamed of masks. I mean, look, but what was challenging was our, our, concept, our concept of reality in some ways was starting to diverge into different paths. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know how do I accept and hold the fact that maybe we don't agree on some what I thought to be some pretty core aspects about what was going on. And those what was going on in my mind then affected what we do. Right, like the decisions we make as a pod, as a as a family, with the and what the kids do or don't do, and what I do or don't do, sort of like our own internal agreements and protocol. Because God knows they weren't coming from anywhere else. Everyone's just sort of like, okay, figure it out. Yes, you guys make up your own mind. Yes. And our friends in Australia, I uh, just heard from Yolanda down there. She said in Melbourne, you know, they couldn't go out of their house, but what was it? 30 hour a day or something, and if, and you could only go five kilometers when you did go out for essential needs. I mean. Let me tell you, here in the U.S., it ain't like that. It's like... Every man for himself. You don't tell anybody. It's, yeah, you do what you want. And you, you figure it want. out. And, and good luck figuring out what's real. Because... Um, and and that, that was really the essence of what was going on between us. It's like each of us as individuals trying to figure out what's real for each of us. Mm-hmm. And we started to have different realities about that. And that was really tough for me. And I'm saying this like it's in the past tense because I feel like you've journeyed a bit through that not that you're like on board with my vision at all whatever that is i'm just saying that i've sensed a progression for you um yeah and i i i would say maybe i would agree with that because my nature is one to be like what's all out there let me look at all of this stuff let me hold space for everything now my internal compasses 
what makes me feel less separate and less judgmental and more at ease. And that's the path that I'm going to ride. So I'm not someone who gets into the us versus them narrative or that there's like a giant overlord conspiracy underground something that's pulling all the strings. I feel like there's a lot of of different things going on at once. And I can only come back to what feels the healthiest psychologically, spiritually, internally. Does that make sense? Sure. And I, I don't, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't hear you saying that you're like sticking your head in the sand because that feels better. No, um, no, no, no. And when we were in the beginning but, two months ago, you know, when I would bring up different theories for you and, you know, I wanted you to look at them. I'm like, I just want you to look at this so we can talk about it. I'm not saying look at this because I believe it, but what do you, let's have a, let's have an intelligent conversation about all different sides of things. Yeah. And I did look at those things and, uh, and then we talked about it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's a very helpful. political way of saying well, it's, it. No, it's I'm, healthy, I'm kidding. I feel. Yeah. Um, I don't think anything should be discounted just out, outright for no reason. I think, look, if you want to say something's BS, then take a look. You know, dig into I, it. I'll, I'll take a look. Yeah, um, and I do fear. I I told you this. I fear the repercussions of the things that are occurring or rights or liberties that are changing, that change permanently, and it's a slippery slope. I'm a, I am afraid of that. Sure. And, and I don't and know what are, that looks gr- like. It's a really good thing to keep our eye on. And, and that is, it is scary. And these things, I, I think when anything happens, no matter what it is, good or bad, there's always these people who have power who are going to try and take advantage of it because that's what we do. We try to take advantage of situations yeah. for the better of us. And and that can be not good for uh, people who are the have-nots, which is, frankly, most of the country. Because mm. you know, people who have all the money and power is a very small group. Uh, so th- that's out there in the field. I don't doubt that. And I, I think that... I think what I kept coming back to is like, and we were talking about this on a hike the other day, is how does that affect our actions, our decisions, and our inner process in our mind on a day-to-day? And does it take over in a way that's destructive? Because some things, some theories are so grand that can never really, you're never going to be able to prove it. So if that's the case, and even if it was true, what can you, what are you going to do? Other than just, I'm going to keep an eye out for that. Because I can't let that, subsume my mind like its own virus that just takes over yeah that's what i was speaking to the more i i would feel an us versus them narrative the more i knew that i had taken a wrong turn somewhere and that in itself was a virus and i wanted to back up into not head in the sand but somehow like aware and accepting and present and alert and staying in the unknown like i was speaking to too I'm going to have to accept that there's a, I don't know. Yeah. Now this is, this is a good thing to bring up because I agree that you, you don't know. And I don't know, we can never know. And there's this larger sort of metaphysical idea of not knowing. And I also feel that some things we do know. And when I say that, let's say capital K, no, and little K, no, like we can never little K, no. And it, this is tricky. Okay, let's Let me feel this out because saying we can never know, I feel like is a bit of a cop-out in the sense that 
Sometimes it's important to choose even if you may be wrong in the future. It's important to say like, look, of course I can never know, but I can make it an educated decision or I can look at this and I'm going to choose to... For example... I'm going to point the ship this way. Uh, for example, like pick any of these conspiracies or I mean anything, but you could say like, is, is the virus uh, real? Some people think it's not real. Um, I think that there's really a virus. I know you do. I'm saying, okay, what's an example of something <laughs> that I guess... Well, here's a big one. Does wearing a mask keep you safe or do you know that? Uh, okay. So when you say that word no, I'm assuming you're saying like, do I know scientifically 100%? Yes. Um, I'm, not a, I'm not a scientist, and, uh, but here's what I know. Um, I've seen several articles from institutions that I tend to think like most likely it's a safe bet. This is a real article and this information is, is legit. And if they're, and there's, and when they say things like, you know, this kind of mask might help you 90%, like an N95 is like 95% and it goes through the list. And I'm like, that all seems pretty logical. And no one's saying like anything's perfect. I'm like, that, that makes sense to me. Like my gut, I'm like, yeah, I have no reason not to believe that other than, other than that guy who we heard the other day saying, according to him, mm-hmm. scientifically proven, the body needs oxygen. Therefore, um, you know, you shouldn't wear a mask. You shouldn't wear a mask. I just think I took a wrong turn too, by the way. So we'll okay. have to figure this out. Well, I would say. I didn't know where I was going, you see. <laughs> and I thought I knew. <laughs> and now everything's totally. Did you really take hard. a wrong turn? Yeah. I'll I would say that I don't know. The thing I know about masks is it makes you a lot happier wearing them. That's, see, I find that to be <laughs> a bit. Uh, but I do know that. Talking down. No, no, I, I no. I don't enjoy wearing them. No, no, them. no, 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 I, no. Look, I just think it's I'm the kind of thing like it makes. I'm not in the way to talk you down. I'm saying what I know, me personally, to be true for you, it's a good thing in our relationship. Doesn't it seem that if you're expelling something out of your lungs that by wearing them, I'm less likely to give it to other people? That's my main thought. Like if we all wore yes. those, then we'd probably not be... Uh, spitting it out everywhere, whether or not it would protect me from getting it that much. It just seemed like if we all had that compassion for other beings, for that inconvenience, it would, it would likely pay off. You know, like we could maybe get things under control. Yes. That, that's what I mean. Look, I don't know. That's just my feeling. And I don't enjoy the process any more than the next guy. It's not, it's not comfortable. And I'm sure, I'm sure it is not a very, uh, it's, it has a lot of problems and holes in the procedure. That's why everyone should cut a hole in the middle of their mask so they can breathe better. <laughs> Everybody knows that. I posted on Facebook months back when I we only had our one mask. We had gotten before Australia and I had lost it. Like I lose sunglasses, they just disappear. And I said, you know, is anybody making masks locally? Where can I get them? And a lot of people sent me recommendations. And there was other people that were anti-maskers that were giving me a hard time. And my stance is it was like look guys i just needed to go places you and need that, it so you can go places yeah it's, it's the new key to get in whether or not i believe it i need a mask or not i know that i need one so i'm, to go I'm unclear so you 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 believe you don't need a mask or something or i have what's no going on? idea you, but you do that's what i'm saying is like you, you saying we don't know is a bit of a not choosing doesn't it seem well i feel like i do choose by wearing not? it yeah, but you're saying because you're forced to, and you're choosing not to choose in a way. 
Mm. You, you know what? To, it's a hard one for me. It really, really is. How could it not be helpful, I guess, to be my question? I'm going to take the fifth. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> guess we'll talk about that one offline. <laughs> <laughs> I found the line. Uh, I love you, and I, I apologize if I have no, no, you don't crossed have to the apologize. sacred line of, of mask. I'm how, the one that brought it I? up. I'm the one that brought it up as That's a topic true. because it was it's a hot one. And I, you know, I feel it's a vulnerable place for me to stand in of not knowing. And I'm sure mm-hmm. I can get a lot of flack for that. But I am at the same time making a decision mm-hmm. to wear a mask. Who are you voting for? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Okay. But look, I'll, I will give credit and credence to say in general, like not knowing is... Um, a beautiful place of there is a lot of strength in that because as you originally were saying when you do know in a sense you're closing yourself off you've created that duality and yeah uh, i don't know it comes back to like and what's the way through duality what do the yogis say breathing you know, meditation breathing mm-hmm. psychedelic journeys breathing presence and, accepting what is isness being I mean, yeah and you came back to this this sort of analogy of the fires and uh, all the breathing that can't be done or that's being challenged. And that is the pathway to the soul. It's through the breath. And the mask itself, yet another obfuscation of breath. Mm-hmm. And I inspire, you know, is like to breathe in and also this act of being inspired, but inspire also as spirit and like breathing in spirit. Just as another connection for breath. So it's like the the unsustainability of the world we've been living in and it's been dreamt up in our collective dream. As it burns away, it's there's there's an unsustainability to that itself. Like the the air is polluted, you know, before we can get to the clearer skies, it's getting darker and thicker and harder. I, I feel that. I feel that. And at the same time, I feel creatively inspired. And maybe that's because, you know, this is all the stuff that we've been talking about for a long time. You yeah. Know I mean, the, that's where I said it feels like the warrior in me is activated. Is. Yeah. 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 And I'm, I'm just a bit, I think some of us who are starting to, to feel that, I think all of us out there feel it in our different ways, we're some, a bit surprised too. Because it's like, I thought it'd be aliens landing down. <laughs> thought, oh, this is like, but this is like, oh, th- we were talking about the Oribus, the snake eating its tail. Yes. It's like, this is it. This yes. is it. It's like, there is nothing else forcing us to make these decisions and we're sort of eating our own tail yes. by not collectively coming together as one species one people, instead, we're, we choose, we really, we choose the polarization. We choose the things that destroy ourselves when we have the capability to turn the ship. And maybe whatever poetry is in that, man, I don't, but there it is. The Oribus in front of us, that is, and, and it's happening now. I wonder if someone could, like the thought is... Is it Oribus or Oribus? Oribus. Yeah. I like the phrase, the mantra, I'm doing this to myself. 
I'm doing this to myself. Oh yeah, and we were saying the other day the other Hopi phrase, the ones we've been waiting for. So we are the ones we are the ones waiting, waiting for. for. And I'm like, but, but what if you turn that around and be like, for this, right? For us to eat ourselves so that we can go through to the next thing. But the, I'm doing this to so myself. We can clear the field. It's a self-reflective process of the internal chaos or anger or resentment or fear or peace or joy or serenity or contentment. It's self-generated. And I mean, if you think about it, there's no other way, right? There's no other way, but we're, we have been conditioned to point the finger and to blame yes. outside. And, and feel like victims. And like, that's the polarization that's created. But when you're doing that, the result is I feel separate within my own being. When, I, when I'm projecting separation outward, I feel it within my own being. That's how, like I was speaking to, when I start to feel us versus them, I know I've taken a wrong turn because I'm feeling that within my own thought patterns. So that's like an internal litmus test you're saying for yourself to Yeah, but it's a, it's the symptom of a projection outward, but it's felt inward and it's outward at the same time. Uh-huh. So then I turn the dial and I change it back to non-judgment of other and then my internal self becomes more content and peaceful and serene and accepting. And it's so it's getting back to a path of acceptance all the way. So how do you, how is that happening like now for you? I mean, how do you (laughs) accept and grieve? Like how do you accept and be an activist? You know, how do you be a full participant in the transformation on all levels? We have, you know, racial growth and change and economic well, it gets and, back to, I think, what is possible. What, what is it? What's in my field that I'm able to change? What's, what's happening in, in right here now for me? What is? Um, well, the first place that you start from is yourself. I am in control of my own thoughts and behaviors and actions. I know that to be true. Or, you know, there's a lot of unconscious, of course, too. But for the most part. And then so it always begins with the self and then the sense of the immediate sphere and dharma, like you were speaking to a long time ago when we first started talking. Long is, time ago. Is the soul, is your soul living out your soul's mission or whatever you had said, remember? Yeah. Like, are you choosing to be in your soul's path? Like, if just, what does that mean to you to have right. that be a decision? And so everyone's soul's path is different and not everyone is designed to be a frontline activist, but some people are. Sure. And I use the term activism, um, I guess not literally. It may be literal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we, you know, what, is, what does that even mean? But mm-hmm. I think in some ways being a warrior is being an activist and it, it's going to manifest, as you're saying, in many different ways today. We all have our unique role to pay, play, but we have a role to play. Yeah, totally. As opposed to sitting back and uh, taking those active roles. I mean, that's sort of like what anti-racism is, for instance. Like it's mm-hmm. proactive. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think one of the proactive things that I do is is remain conscious of what I'm ingesting in my consciousness. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. We picked up a little bit of the Netflix special, what's it called? The social... Social dilemma. Uh, so far, I'd say it's something that uh, I've been talking about a lot on this podcast and it sums everything up so perfectly because it's a lot of brilliant people like Tristan Harris, among many others. 
and I highly recommend watching it if you haven't already. Um, I haven't seen the ending, though, so I don't know. <laughs> That's when the aliens land, and I'm like, oh, I knew it. Um, but about how these things are influencing us, and the only real people, you know, they talk about how they, the responsibility falls on these tech companies for them to make the changes because they're the ones screwing with everybody. But I'm sort of like, that's uh, tech true. But the, the only one you can really count on is for you individually to make those changes from the inside out. Yeah. You're the only policeman, or I should say curator of mm-hmm. your own attention. Mm-hmm. That's it. And everyone's vying for it. And I know I sound like a broken record saying this over and over again on the podcast, but it might've been Tristan who I heard say that your attention is your currency. It was someone, it's a brilliant phrase. I'll give him credit. Somebody. <laughs> He's a brilliant guy. Uh, and maybe I could just segue into um, this relates. Uh, and you were talking, we and I want to bring this up. I think this is important about the okay. wellness community QAnon thing. Sure. Can you summarize what that is? Well, it's related to what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, I guess last, the end of last week, I'm in the wellness field. And so I started seeing peers post wellness leaders or the wellness community taking a stand against QAnon and looking just like one article further into that that I did. It was about, you know, conspirituality and how those who are um, in our modern way spiritual who are open to different possibilities and finding their own way and questioning what truth is becoming susceptible to these deeper, more distorted projections of QAnon. And I'm not, I'm I'm a little ignorant personally on QAnon. Well, I love it when someone asks me because I love explaining to them with a straight face and they're they're just like staring at me like, what? Yeah, I heard first. That's the thing? I heard that phrase first from you. QAnon? Yeah. (laughs) Or not like a... Pizzagate pedophile ring? No, the oh, okay. QAnon, I'm like, I don't know what that means. Yeah. Well, but going... So but, the, the idea being of the wellness communities, the, how it needs to sharpen the blade, uh, its own blind spots, gullibility, or glossing over um, things on the ground level. This And, and these are they're valid, valid com- concerns. And so I think the impetus, as you were explaining it, was that people in the wellness community were taking a stand to say like, hey, for instance, this thing going on mm-hmm. where this is starting to gain some traction and get, you know, get like in the real world, probably largely based on social media. Yes, um, 100%. We're going to, on social media, we're going to take a stand and say, we're going to be actively against this thing as taking a stand to say that uh, we're not going to casually let this pass or as some people, I guess, have done who are, have some influence, been casually in support, maybe without either recognizing it or not fully recognizing what they're doing and the literal influence that that has. Yeah. What's so fascinating to me now is, you know, pre-2012, right? It was all, all this was so fringe. And so for the, the fact that it's all being talked about so openly by everyone is so curious to me. Well, let's put that in different categories. Cause like, the idea, like the pedophile ring where they're eating the brains for, for life force. I never heard that kind of stuff back then. Okay, well, the, I had. Back in 2012? Oh, yeah. I guess I heard some of that stuff on like, um, what's the thing 
that the rich people go to. It's a real thing where they have the owl they pray to. Oh, yeah. It begins with a D. What's crazy is I met someone whose brother is in that group. Hmm. And I was like, uh, tell me about it. (laughs) (laughs) We all know it's a thing. Anyway. Point is that um, okay, I got I got I got some, some of these have popped up now, and they've gotten gasoline on the fire because of the way social media creates reality tunnels for people's minds and abilities to connect and only see what they want to see and only talk to people who have their same opinions. And these things start, to, uh, in addition to the fact that there's actual fake information to make more chaos by bad actors in the world who are throwing that out there. Mm-hmm. So it is. It is kind of different. I feel like it's way more Ooh, intensified. It's super intensified. And that fact and in a very documentary, different. that fake information is six times more likely to, to spread. spread. So it's more profitable. Yeah. And, and well, again, the curious part is what was once very alternative is so mainstream. And it's driving the mainstream narrative. And it's, I just, I guess I didn't see it coming. Well, flip side of that is there's a lot of other things that were fringe that are mainstream that are, I think, very good things like psychedelic science and interest and the yoga industry. I mean, yeah, there comes a shadow with all these things, but that is an indication of its rise. One of the underbellies. And so exactly like you're saying, it's the the one we are the ones that we've been waiting for this wolf like pack that is like a, a collective of so many of us where before we were siloed. And doing our own learning or in small collectives, it's becoming, it is, it's mainstream. And so I guess the risk is where, is the ship going to crash or is it going to sail? And, I, and it I would can say do both. good. I would say both. And that's what's like maddening, but it's always been that way. You know, uh, the yin and the yang, it's always the destruction, the, the, the Durga. It's, mm. it's always, it's the only way for the creation to be. Calling. Out of death comes life. And it's not that this, that, that I'm saying like, oh, we're all going to die. It's hardly that at all. It's just sort of saying threading the needle through this time will take a lot of discernment from each of us on an individual level, more than we've ever had to use before. We each will have to sharpen the blade of our own mind as the doorway into our heart. Because without that, I guarantee the powers out there that are trying to vie for our attentions are going to man- manipulate our beliefs and what we think is real and was not real better than they ever have in the past. And it will become very difficult. You can fall off sort of your center of knowing like, hey, I'm a human being. My feet are on the ground. I'm here to make decisions. I'm lovable, as Court says. <laughs> yeah, I'm good enough. <laughs> and I would say it's okay to be unpopular and it's okay to not know, and it's okay to disagree. And it's okay to take your to time to say, like, I'm, I'm trying to process this, right? You don't have to jump. Everything's moving very quickly. Well, and I want things to slow down. I think that's the speed. I feel like there's been a gear shift down, and we're readjusting to this gear shift. It's like the clutch has been thrown. There's definitely things have been slowing down. I know myself and a lot of us, the world's trying to, like, the grist of, of friction against that. But things, everything has slowed down. Like you try to get anything done, it just takes a lot longer. That's beautiful. It's, it's, I, that's okay. I feel like that's the, that's we're the time new, rich. A new frequency in which we're adjusting to. 
and it feels uncomfortable and unusual because it's different and new, but there's going to be a lot of healing and adjusting to that. And amidst that, many things are happening very quickly. Social change. I mean, there are other things that are happening crazy fast. And amidst that, our like day-to-day life has to slow down. It's really interesting, like Mm -hmm. pairing. And the circle is getting tighter and smaller. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. And bigger at the same time. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. (laughs) It's the paradox. We know we're in truth when we're in the paradox. That's one thing I rest on too. How do I know? Because it's a paradox. That's a litmus test for myself when both things are simultaneously true. (laughs) On that note, um, this has been the Radha Krishna Roundtable with no table um, at 85, oh, sorry, 80 miles an hour, the state speed limit, uh, heading north. And um, is there anything else you'd like to say to the listeners out there? I'll just say that I love you. I believe in you. We can do this. We are doing it. Slow down. Sometimes Slow down it's, and breathe. it's good to reflect out there the medicine that you feel you need to receive. You can embody it as you're doing right now and push it out there. Uh, and funny thing is, golden rule, start to engender that inside yourself. Kisses. Keep walking. Talk to you soon. <laughs>